brought to you by CGTN Europe. I'm Stephen Cole. Welcome to the Agenda podcast. Economists around the world are being kept awake by the financial implications of COVID-19. Public debt in emerging markets has surged to levels not seen in half a century. And many countries are having to take on more and more debt in an effort to control the pandemic. Returning to the podcast is international sovereign debt advisor Lee Buchheit. Lee explains why the current debt situation is unprecedented and why what we're seeing now is the bleakest picture of the international economy he's ever seen. The world was already swimming in millions, trillions of dollars of debt. What difference uh, is this pandemic making? I might have used the word drowning, Stephen. Uh, We entered this crisis with record levels of debt, both in the developed and the developing world. Uh, The assumption had been that the markets would always be there to allow these countries to roll over for maturing debt, uh, and therefore the size of the debt stocks was thought to be less important than perhaps it had been in past periods. COVID-19 has changed that. We don't know when this crisis ends or abates even, And we don't know what the world economy will look like when it does. What will export markets look like? What will commodity prices look like? What will financial markets look like? We entered 2020 with a handful of countries, Argentina, Venezuela, Lebanon, Ecuador, that had already announced that they needed to restructure their debt. We will leave 2020 with a much longer list than that. The Eurozone uh, in particular uh, seems to be having major debt problems and division between North and South. George Soros has been predicting possibly the end of the EU because of this pandemic. That's pretty big talk. It is indeed. The Eurozone has one great advantage, and that is the European Central Bank. And the European Central Bank has launched itself on a program to buy the bonds of European sovereigns in astonishing quantities. And that keeps those countries with access to the capital markets uh, at tolerable interest rates. That's an enormous advantage. Many emerging market countries, of course, will have no safety net of that kind. Well, as you say, uh, the European Central Bank has come up with the so-called coronavirus bonds, but it's also promulgating um, uh, quantitative easing, which in layman's terms means just printing more money. Is that the answer? Well, printing more money helps in a financial crisis. It keeps the markets from seizing up. The longer-term consequences of the quantitative easing that is going on, not just in Europe, it's going on to a massive degree in the United States. The longer-term consequences, we don't know. We've never seen anything like this. That much printing of money in such a short space of time, many economists would say inevitably there must be an inflationary effect of that. Of course, it will be subdued in the short, perhaps medium term, by the collapse of the employment markets and many other 
distress situations in the economy generally. But we don't know the longer term effect of this. It is, however, absolutely extraordinary that we should see central banks prepared to monetize vast quantities of sovereign debt uh, to the point that the central banks own significant portions of the sovereign debt issued in this country by the United States and in Europe by the, by the uh, members of the European Union. The United Nations uh, <laughs> Conference on Trade and Development is calling for a global debt holiday for the developing world. Uh, is that likely? Uh, could that work? Well, there are two calls being made. Some are calling for debt cancellation, that uh, debts maturing during this period of crisis would simply be cancelled. The G20 has called for a defer, deferral, a standstill on debt service payments by the poorest countries. These are the countries that belong to what the World Bank calls the International Development Association. They are the 76 poorest countries in the world. The G20 has said that bilateral creditors will uh, or, or have been asked and have agreed to suspend uh, collecting debt service for the balance of this year from those countries. There is a question right now as to whether commercial creditors, private sector creditors, will match that generosity. Lastly, Lee, is this the bleakest global picture you've ever seen uh, for the economy? I'm afraid it is. Uh, the last time we had anything resembling a systemic sovereign debt crisis was in the early 1980s. That crisis afflicted commercial banks. Uh, they were the lenders of that era, and 27 countries had to go through a debt restructuring that wound up taking more than a decade. I don't think we know how many countries will exit the COVID period needing a full-scale debt restructuring. I've seen all kinds of predictions, uh, anywhere from 10 to 50. 100 countries have asked for emergency assistance from the IMF. That's more than half of the membership of the IMF. It will turn, Stephen, on how quickly this crisis can be brought under control and how quickly the world economy can return when it does. Uh, I don't think any of us know the answers to those questions, but this could be a systemic sovereign debt crisis of the kind that we haven't seen since the 1980s, and, and perhaps it will even dwarf that one. Welcome back to the agenda. China was obviously the first country to face the full impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's also the first to come out the other side of the outbreak. So what lessons might the rest of the world learn from the Chinese economic approach? Well, joining me now from Beijing is uh, Jiang Jianping, Director General of the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. Well, last week, the head of China's state planning uh, agency uh, announced plans to raise China's 
budget deficit, uh, increase the quota for local government special bonds, and issue special treasury bonds uh, specifically to fight the virus. Is this the kind of approach countries around the world should be taking? Uh, I think that uh, actually in China right now, uh, there is still uh, enough space uh, to issue, you know, uh, local treasury bonds. Uh, meanwhile, if you look at uh, China's, uh, you know, uh, fiscal deficit uh, for the whole country, actually uh, only about 3% this type of level. I think that's a safe line for sustainable, you know, fiscal policy. Uh, but uh, if you look at other countries in the world, uh, maybe different country have different situation. So you have to look at uh, you know uh, your uh, domestic situation, and if you can make your uh, fiscal policy could be more sustainable uh, for the medium and the long run. Uh, also, I think that uh, uh, every country need to make a very careful uh, assessment and then make their decision. The Chinese economy contracted as China was the first to enter, but also the first to emerge from this uh, pandemic. Is there any reason to suppose uh, it'll get worse or better economically in China for the rest of the quarters? Yeah, of course, for the rest of the quarters, it seems that the situation uh, is getting better. Uh, we hope that this type of situation can last uh, for the rest of this year and the next year. Also, I noticed that, uh, you know, uh, IMF already predicts that uh, this year China's, uh, you know, uh, annual growth rate will be uh, positive. Uh, actually, uh, you know that China's situation, of course, uh, is quite different from other countries. Uh, just because in recent years, uh, China's economic model uh, is more relying on, you know, new economic driving force, uh, such as AI, 5G, and high-tech sectors development. Meanwhile, uh, consumption also becomes the, the major driving force for uh, China's, you know, domestic demands. Uh, consumption's contribution to China's GDP growth rate already uh, estimated about 70%. Uh, meanwhile, in China, new economic models uh, such as e-commerce and fintech uh, has been developed rapidly. Uh, especially right now in China, we released the new FDI laws and regulations. Uh, in China, 18 you know, provinces already set up their free trade experimental zones where, you know, both domestic uh, enterprises and uh, foreign funded enterprises, they can compete uh, on a very, you know, fair you know, market environment. So in this regard, I, I think that uh, uh, in the rest of this year, China's economic situation could be better. Uh, several EU countries have already moved into recession, including uh, Germany's biggest, or Europe's biggest economy, uh, Germany. What is the key to save an economy, rescue an economy in the post-coronavirus era? Uh, is the pandemic going to change the way, in other words, that those countries deal with debt? Uh, 
I think that uh, it's too early to say the pandem uh, pandemic, uh, you know, changed the way of globalization and international cooperation. So at this moment, uh, I think that international cooperation would be very critical uh, because you know that uh, the Earth uh, is just a, a small village, you know, facing with uh, globalization time. Also, every country we actually we already link each other. We are relying in each other, especially pandemic uh, is, you know, so strong and it's uh, not easy to deal with uh, and uh, any single country cannot deal with, uh, you know, the pandemic. So I think that the first step, we need to work together more closely and control the uh, coronavirus. And the second step, we need to promote, uh, you know, uh, closer and closer international economic cooperation in order to deal with economic recession issues. And that brings us to the end of another edition of The Agenda. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. You can also find us on CGTN Europe, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. The most interesting questions. Are there other living beings beyond Earth? Will man or machine be in charge? Great question. Always have more than one answer. Well, hold on, uh, let me just draw up a list. And always come from more than one person. That's where the credibility lies. The concept of having a machinery which is alive and evolving didn't wait for us. The end of inequality of incomes and wealth around the world, can you imagine how difficult that is at the moment to achieve? Every episode, Stephen Cole, Murray Beveridge, and some of the brightest minds out there shed light on the answers to some of the most intriguing questions. There are two ways of looking at this. Machines can't really discriminate between civilian and military targets. The Answers Project. Maybe we need to just look at this in a bit more detail. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. The Answers Project, a new podcast from CGTN Europe.